God is good. It's a good day to be alive. It's a good day to be in the kingdom of God. It's a good day to be a part of advancing His kingdom. I encourage you, again, I know I've said this a lot, but I encourage you this in, in this again. I encourage you to listen to what the Holy Spirit is doing in and through your life as you're reading a proverb a day for this whole year. I'm confident. I know what it's doing in me. I started, this is the fourth time now, I've started Proverbs again yesterday. And what it's doing, and one of the things that I'm doing with it is I'm reading it in different translations to get a different perspective on it. But even if you started out reading Proverbs and you're thinking, you know, so much of this is so confusing, if you'll stay with it, and you'll read a proverb every day throughout, the, throughout this year to the end of this year. You're going to see things that are coming to you from the wisdom of God that you've never seen before. And that's what I pray for you every day, for that, that wisdom and understanding come to you. Amen? Amen? So today, my second message on the resurrection. And um, I really want you to follow with me in, in, in what I'm saying today. Because it's very important that you understand. I, I made this comment um, last week that a person that understands the resurrection can receive anything from God. I'm talking about understanding it. Not just knowing that He did that. And I want to read to you the, the definitions I gave you yesterday, or, or last week. Number one of resurrection, and one of the words used to define resurrection, I define that word also. And I want you to pay real close attention to the importance of this, because it's deeper than people think. It's, it's, it's one thing to make mental assent to something that you think you know, but another thing to have real understanding of what something has done. And we're talking about the resurrection. What has the resurrection really done? Next Sunday, as I told you last week, we're, we're going to talk about the actual, everything around the resurrection and a little bit leading up to that. But last week, if you, did, if you weren't here last week, I'd encourage you to go to the app or the website, and listen to that message. Um, because what we're talking about is what the resurrection produced first, and then we're backing up and looking at the actual resurrection. And I gave you this definition of the word last week, and I want to give it to you again. Resurrection is defined as a resurgence or rising again to prominence. And the word prominence was defined as a position of superiority. The resurrection and Jesus being raised from the dead are two different things. And I want you to see that 
To, to understand it, we go back before the foundation of the world. And three different times in Scripture, the Bible said that, and the, and the best way that I can view it is, is that Father and Word and Holy Spirit, before the foundation of the world, before Adam and Eve, they had a board meeting. They were there. Because the Scripture says that before the foundation of the world, your life was planned. Before the foundation of the world, the plan of redemption was set up. And that plan of redemption was the resurrection. And the resurrection, the best that I can define it in what I believe the Word is saying, in the places that we read it, in the Greek and the Hebrew both, is a resurgence or a rising again to a place of prominence and superiority. God created man. God gave man authority in the earth, but God never took the authority back. And the reason He never took the authority back is because He already had the resurrection set in place. The resurrection was already set. Our redemption was already taken care of before Adam and Eve gave it up. They gave the authority away, and for 4,000 years that we know of, on the planet, Lucifer, Satan, had control. But God. But His plan. Listen to me. God was not scrambling around for 4,000 years trying to figure out what to do. The plan was already set. And I want to read out of 1 Corinthians that we read last week. I want to read out of that again. There's a lot that we could talk about concerning this. But I just want to, I want to point at one thing. And I really like, I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation, I really like the way that the Apostle Paul set this up. So I'm going to start with, um, with verse 12 out of 1 Corinthians 15. He said, but tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying that there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless. And your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God. For we have said that God raised Christ from the dead. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. And if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. What I'm saying to you is this. 
the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Easter, you can call it, you, you can call it whatever you want, you know. Um, uh, uh, Easter's not in the Bible. And Easter, you know, thank God for Easter and bunnies and Easter eggs, and we have Easter egg hunts. We, we've been criticized for having an Easter egg hunt at church, you know. Uh, before, people didn't like it or whatever, and it, it's going against, we're not going against anything. We're making something fun for kids, and if parents come and they can hear the Word of God preached, it, it, it's a win-win. Can you say amen to that? But Easter is not about Easter eggs, not the, not the Easter we're talking about. It's about the resurrection, and it's about a plan that was made and set up and ordained before the foundation of the world. That's the God we serve. And he said, if there's no resurrection, then he's not raised. But because it was already set in place, then all it took, listen to me, because they already had it set up, then all it took was obedience with certain people through the years. It took obedience from Abraham. It took obedience from Moses. It took obedience along the way. And when Jesus Christ was in the garden, it had already been set up that God would give His only begotten Son. But when Jesus Christ was in the garden of Gethsemane, And he went to pray, and he left his disciples behind. And they're all snoozing. He said, Father, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, but yours. And when that was established right there, it was done. The greatest act of submission that the world has ever known. And it produced what had been set up before the foundation of the world. And when people tell me, well, that was an easy decision because he was the Son of God and he would have never... No, 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 no. See, for you to think that, you don't understand the process that God set up. Jesus didn't come here to become the Son of God. He already was. He came here. He left the, poverty, he left the riches of heaven to come to the poverty of this earth to become our elder brother to become the Son of Man. And when He became the Son of Man, and He, bege he listen, He had to be a perfect example for you and I to follow after. If He could have, if He could have, if, if there, was, there was no option for Him to say what He said in the garden, then He wouldn't be the perfect example for you and I. Listen to me. He could have said, Father, I don't know that I can handle this. Well, he did say that. 
this is too much. I'm sweating drops of blood. I'm, I'm, I, I don't believe I can handle this. Uh, we just need to annihilate them all and we'll start over. I can't do this. He had the choice. But he said, in that moment, his will and the Father's were not the same. If there be any other way, yet, not my will, but yours be done. He chose Father, and now he's empowered us to choose Father every single time in our lives. Amen? That's what the resurrection has produced for you and I. The resurrection has given us the ability to do what's right. I want to read... Hold on just a second. Some reason. My notes didn't load. Ha! Now it did. I want to read this story. Just follow with me. I know I'm reading a lot of scripture, but I want you to follow with me. And as we talked about, as we've talked about today, as my wife has already talked about, today is Palm Sunday. And I want to I read just a piece of, of what, what connects us to Palm Sunday or what, what, what it really means. Somebody, some people think, you know, what's, what's Palm Sunday? I mean, what's all the palm branches and what is that, what, what's the significance in that? Well, let me, let me read this to you. Luke 19. And verse 36 in, in the New Living Translation. And you know the rest of the story. And he sent his disciples out to get a, to get a pony, a donkey, a whatever it was. And, um, and as they brought it back, it says in verse 36, As he rode into Jerusalem along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. And when he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God. They were, they were laying palm branches. That's why it's Palm Sunday. They were laying palm branches. This translation says garments or whatever, but it was whatever they threw out there, but there were palm branches also that, that were laid out. And it says, um, and they, and they began to shout out and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory and glory in highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. He replied, if they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. You think he knew who he was? He had to grow up just like you and I. He had to be born of a woman. The only difference, he was born of a virgin. But he had to be born of a woman. He had to be a child. He had to be a toddler. He had to grow up. He had to experience the things that you and I experience to be able to be the perfect example 
to give his life for us. And he said, so he knew who he was. But as, as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that you, all, that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it is too late and peace is hidden from your eyes. They didn't know what was fixing to happen. They really didn't understand it. He began to weep for them because they didn't understand. But his weeping wasn't about that they wouldn't in the days ahead. They wouldn't after the cross. His weeping had to do with all of humanity. He was laying his life down for all of humanity. But they didn't understand. You know, the only difference today and then is on this side of the cross, we have the ability now to understand. But if a person doesn't understand the resurrection, if they don't understand what it meant that he was raised from the dead as a plan that was set up before the foundation of the worlds, a plan that brought him back to a place of superiority, if you don't understand that, you can't receive from God because it's, it's, it's a religious thing that he was just raised from the dead. Oh yeah, Jesus was raised on the third day. We make mental, people make mental assent to that, but they don't realize that could have never happened had the plan not been set up before. And that's where the power is. Paul said last week in the scripture that we read, he said, Father, that I may know you through the resurrection that I may know you in understanding what the resurrection has produced for me. Listen to me. We're talking about the God that knows everything about everything. Right? There's nothing left out. So there's not anything that's not been covered in life. So there's nothing in your life that doesn't have an answer if you connect to Him and know Him through the resurrection. And here's my, my point, my last point that I'm going to bring together about this. And I want to read the first 14 verses of Romans chapter 14, uh, of Romans chapter 6. I'm going to read this in the NIV. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live in a new life. For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, 
we will certainly also be united with Him in a resurrection like His. For we know that our old self was crucified with Him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Now, I'm going to read the rest of it, but I'm going to give you this really, really, really long definition for the word sin. And real sin is disobedience to God. That's what sin is. People think, you know, well, well, I did this wrong and this thing and that thing and this thing and that thing. Those are the acts of sin, of disobedience. But true sin is disobeying God. And what I found in my own life is that most of my disobedience is wrapped up in ignorance. Most of the disobedient things in my life is because I didn't know. I tell you, when I begin to see what I'm sharing with you today, when I begin to see that up until this point right here, even as I'm preaching this, it's liberated my life. You know what? It's taken, it's taken the cares of wrongdoings off of me. It's taken my past off of me. Paul said there's one thing that he does, forgetting what is behind, pressing toward the mark of the high calling that's in Christ Jesus. And that high calling in Christ is understanding what the resurrection produced. He rose from the dead. He ascended upon high. He sat down at the right hand of the Father, and we're seated with Him. He said it. Ephesians 2 said, we've been seated with Him. Not under Him, with Him. He's sitting in a big old chair and He scooted over and He let you sit right next to Him. All power, all dominion, all authority over every name that is named. Nothing missing, nothing lacking, nothing. Can you say amen? So, I want to finish this last part of this passage here. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, He cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over Him. The death He died, He died to sin once for all, but the life He lives, He lives to God. In the same way, in the same way, in the same way, count yourselves Dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Dead to what? Disobedience. Dead to disobedience. Dead to disobedience. Empowered to live your life right. To do what's right. Every single day. That's what the resurrection has produced. Deliverance from disobedience. Listen, when you don't disobey God, you don't do the acts of sin, of disobedience. I keep hearing that ringing in my ears that Paul said. 
that I may know you through the resurrection. That I may know you through the power of your resurrection because when I know him that way, that power and that authority works on my behalf because it's his, he gave it to me, but it won't work if I don't know him. You know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how much you pray, how much you do, how much you this, that, or the other. Everything that happens through us is because of what he did. There's no credit here. It's, that's not false humility or, you know, you know, don't look at me. No, I'm not saying that at all. No, you got to take ownership of this belongs to you. But at the end of the day, it's because of what he did. And it's because of the resurrection that was already set up before we even were. It's here. I'm telling you, this is sweatless revelation. You don't have to sweat for anything. But you have to be diligent to develop a relationship. My wife and I are married this year, 43 years. We will be. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Woo, did I skip a year? You know, the, the, these, these COVID years, <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, is this 2020 or 2022? Yeah, 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 that's right, that's right. Like you skipped a year or something. No, that's right, 43 years. And you know what? I don't sweat our relationship today. I don't sweat over it or fearful over it or whatever. You know why? Because we have a relationship. We develop the relationship. We work on the relationship. And when you're developing your relationship with God, like, like the first verse that I read, what should we say then? Should we go on sinning and being disobedient so that grace may increase? Ah, it doesn't matter what I do, the grace of God will cover. It doesn't work that way. That's the nature of God Listen to me, that's God's nature for you because you've made mistakes or you keep on making stupid mistakes. He still loves you, but there's consequences. It didn't remove His love for you, but there are consequences. So the answer to the question there, what should we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? And the literal there means, the, the, the translation of that in this passage says by no means. The literal there is, it can't be that way. It doesn't work that way. It's never worked that way. So my responsibility is relationship. I'm not trying to get him to come down to me. I have to come up to him. To the way he thinks the way he operates, to know how to hear his voice, to understand everything about him. Because that's what the resurrection has done for us. I'll finish this. The death he died, he died to sin once for all of us. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So every day, 
You need to be declaring over yourself, as we say this all the time, you need to be calling things that may apparently be not, calling them as though they are, not denying things that you're doing and acting like they're not there, that's lying, but calling things that be not as though they were, and I'm going to skip down from there and go to the verse 14, and this is what I say over myself every day, for sin shall no longer be master over me. Because I'm not under the law, I'm under the grace of God. And I have the grace of God to work for me if I'll work it. Draw near to God, God draws near to you. And when I do that, what begins to evolve on the inside of me is the revelation of the resurrection. If there was no resurrection planned, if resurrection wasn't set up, There's no Jesus being raised from the dead. And everything we're preaching is a bunch of bunk. But that's not true. Scripture just said that. That's not true. Did you hear what I said? I'm saying that is not true. Everything he did and everything he accomplished has set you and I up to live in this life as overcomers, being on top and not underneath, having the wisdom of God flowing in and through us to where we can help to see people's lives saved, healed, and delivered, drawing them and moving them towards Him. But if you don't have the answers, nobody's going to listen to you. And there are no answers if there's no resurrection. And if there's no resurrection then there's no being raised from the dead. But we know He was raised from the dead. He was raised from the dead because of the resurrection. And because of the resurrection and Him being raised from the dead, now all authority, all dominion, all power that was given to Him, He's given to you and I. Now, sin or disobedience shall not have rule over me. If you're not saying things like that over yourself, it's going to be difficult. You need to be declaring over yourself every day the way God sees you. He gave you this ability because He saw you before you were even thought about. He saw you. I don't know how. I just have to obey and, and believe what the Word says. But He saw you. He delivered you. And he set you free.